May that be our prayer tonight. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to start off by reading a passage of scripture. Hebrews chapter 10. As you're turning there, let me get prepared here. Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to start off by reading verses 30 and 31. on my mic here. All right, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 30 and 31. The Bible tells us, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let me ask you something tonight. Who is your God? What image do you have of your God? You see, the Bible paints a portrait of this God, of, of our God, and, and, and have you painted your own? And we're going to look at that tonight, and, and there's one thing in the Bible, did you realize, there's one thing in the Bible that we are commanded to fear, and that is God. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, the fear of the Lord. But the, fear, the word fear in reference to God is used over 300 times in the Bible. In fact, Proverbs 1 t- 7 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It is the very beginning of knowledge. You see, why are we not getting this down? We realize if it's in the Bible over 300 times, the Bible tells us it's the very beginning of knowledge. Should we not have it down packed? We will observe tonight the image of God the image of self, and the result of realizing who we are versus who he is. Let's pray. Father, I need your power tonight, Lord, as we observe your word. And Lord, as we observe who you are, the almighty God, the creator of the universe, as we observe ourselves, that we're nothing, Lord. And as we uh, help us, Lord, to have the right result, um, Lord, if we view you the way that we should, it's going to result in these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We need to realize that God wants us to fear him. Look over at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. The Bible tells us, Wherefore we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. So first, tonight, let's observe the God image. The God image. What is your image of God? Let's look in the Bible and see the image of God. You see, Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 is where we start here. For our God is a consuming fire. But we realize that God is all-powerful and He's almighty. He's the creator of everything that we see. Psalm 19, 1 tells us, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. We realize that God is all-powerful. He created everything that you see. And he's almighty. And he's all-knowing. He knows everything about each one of us. The Lord tells us in his Bible that, that he pondereth all our goings. He knows everything about you. He's everywhere present. But then we realize this almighty God, the creator of the universe, this one who created everything that we see, he's love. He is love. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. This God who's, who's holy, this God who, who, who created everything, he loves you. And he created you. But we realize that he's merciful. This God that loves us so much. And we're going to look at Psalm 51 later. But we realize in Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Our God is good. But don't, realize, don't forget this next point. That our God is holy. Our God is holy. Revelation 4, 8 tells us. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. In another passage he says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Our God is holy and he must be separate from sin. What is your image of God tonight? What is your image of God? Yes, he's wonderful. He's loving, he's merciful, but he's holy. He's loving, he's merciful, but he's all-powerful. Don't forget those parts. Don't forget who your God is. Have you forgotten who your God is? And I think that, that, that we, well, let's go into this. Our God must be separate from sin, and we realize how holy he is, and that's terrifying. Because when you realize who you are versus who God is, that should scare you. That should scare us. And I think so many times that we make this sissified God and we like to create our own God. We like to build our own God and we like to, um, we like to make an image of God that's, that's not biblical. What is your image of God? Is it biblical or have you painted your own portrait of God? The Bible tells us in Matthew 10, 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Our God is a fearful God. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he's merciful, but he's holy. Yes, he's wonderful. He's, he, he loves you so much and he's so merciful, but he's holy. We need to realize that, that, that even if you think about um, every time somebody beheld the almighty creator of the universe, they fell down before him as dead. Who do you think you are? I'll ask you that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit here. But um, the second thing that we need to see, the first thing we saw is the God image. And then the second thing is the self image. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And we're going to read down from verses 9 to 20. Romans chapter 3. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 verses 9 to 20. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace have they not known there is no fear of God before their eyes now we know 
that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. We realize that the, the, the more you know God, the more you will know yourself. The more you realize how holy, how separate from sin our God is, the more you will realize that we are nothing but filth. So many times we we get this high image of ourselves. And I'll ask you, how dare we? What gives us the right to think that we are this amazing person? And then what gives us the, the, the right to use God's mercy as an excuse to go on sinning? What gives us the right? How dare we? How dare we use God's love, God's salvation, God's mercy as an excuse to keep sinning? We need to realize that that pride is a dangerous thing. And and we realize that, that, that it is by God's almighty hand that you and I are sitting in this room, that we are not in the pits of hell this very moment. We need to realize it's by his mighty hand. Nothing that we have done, it is by God's wonderful mercy. And that's amazing. When you see the Almighty God, when you see the biblical image of Him, and then you see yourself, that's so amazing that my God would have mercy on me. But God commended this love toward us, and and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's amazing that He decided to love us and have mercy on us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our flaws, in the midst of our failures, that God loves us. What gives us the right to see ourselves so high and lift it up? A preacher said this, I don't care how strong your religion is or how strong your church life is. I don't care how strong your morality is. On that day of judgment, God will tear it down and it will wilt. Whenever humans declare themselves to be righteous, they are doing it by contrasting themselves with other humans who are worse. And you can get away with that. But when your righteousness is contrasted with the righteousness of God, there is nothing but to throw yourself down and declare your morality to be dung. Here stands God on the day of creation. He looks at the stars and he says all you stars move yourself to this place and start in this order and move in a circle and move exactly as I tell you until I give you another word planets pick yourself pick yourself up and whirl make this formation at my command until I give you another word he looks at mountains and says be lifted up and they obey him he tells valleys be cast down and they obey him he looks at the sea and says you will come this far and the sea obeys him then he looks at you and says come and you say no Does that bother anyone? Who are we? What is your image of God? What is your image of self tonight? What is your image of self? We are nothing. And then the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 9 that there's no fear of God before their eyes, that there is no fear of God before their eyes. That is such a scary statement. How can we not fear this almighty God? How can we not fear him when we stand in filth? But then we realize that the lack of that fear of God, it's sin. We realize that even the devils feared God. And yet here we are, and sometimes we don't fear God. 
What is your image of God tonight? Is he sissified? Do you have the sissified portrait of God? What is your image of self tonight? Is it this high image of yourself tonight? When we observe, when we observe the God image, and then we observe the self image, there's going to be some results. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Psalm 51, verses 1 to 12, the Bible tells us, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Look in verse 11. Now cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. David committed this sin, and he gives us this perfect illustration, this perfect picture of the result of you seeing God the way he is, and the result of you seeing you the way that you are. There are results, and the first thing is fear. The very first thing, that there's nothing left to do when we see who our God is, and how we stand before him, but number one, to fear. Fear is a wonderful motivation for us. Let me ask you something. Why would you fear your boss? Because your boss will fire you, right? Why would you fear your drill instructor? He'll make your life miserable. Why would you fear your mom? Because she'll whoop you. Why would you fear your dad? Because he would whoop you harder. You see, we need to realize that the fear of the Lord is, it's, it's not just respect. You know, I, I still fear my dad. My dad was in the Marines for 27 years. And my dad, he said, if I ever got an earring in my ear, he would yank that thing out. Man, I believed him. And I feared my dad. I feared my dad a little bit more than my mom because my dad whooped me harder. But you know what? Never once did I question my dad's love for me. I feared my dad. But I never questioned his love. And you know what the number one thing that I feared from my dad was? The number one thing that I feared from my dad was not the spankings, was not the being grounded. It was disappointment. Do you fear disappointment from your God tonight? Do you fear disappointment? David feared disappointment. In this passage of scripture in Psalm 51, the fear of God, it it does require fear. A literal fear. Because when you realize who your God is, when you have a biblical image of God, when you have a biblical image of yourself, there's nothing left to do but to be be fearful and number two, to be broken. Brokenness is another result. 
Look with me in verse um, verse 17. The Bible tells us the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. We realize David is falling on his face before God and he's begging for mercy. And David, he was broken. He was broken over his sin. Why are we not broken over our sin? Because we don't take our God seriously. We don't have the right image of who our God is. And we view ourselves to be this high, we we have this high image of ourselves. We should be falling down on our face before God. When you view him, the way that you view him, if you see him the way that you should see him, you would fear him. If you've seen him the way that you should see him, you would be broken. And number three, if you see him the way that you should see him, you would hate sin. You would hate what God hates. You see, the Bible tells us in Proverbs eight thirteen, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy in the evil way. In the froward mouth do I hate. You would hate sin. You would hate what God hates. There would be a whole lot less sin if we feared God the way that we should. And then it would result in more people one to Christ. Jude 22 and 23, the Bible tells us, And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, we would realize that there is a world that is dying and going to hell. And you would fear God for those people. It would result in more people coming to Christ. So, as we observe this, we realize that since there's, if if we don't see these results in our life, that we're not fearing God the way that we should. We're not viewing our God the way that we should. And you're not viewing yourself the way that you should. There's going to be a full submission and a service to God. Romans 12, 1 tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. There's going to be a full submission and service to God. If you feared God the way that you should, if you viewed God the way that you should, and then there's going to be revival. If you viewed God the way that you should, if you feared Him the way that you should, and you saw yourself the way that you should, there's going to be a revival. Second Chronicles 7.14, the Bible says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Revival will happen in our lives. Revival will happen in our church. But it starts with the individual. And you need to view God the way that the, the Bible pictures Him. The, the way that the Bible shows, paints this portrait of God. That's what we need to view. Not this sissified God that we create ourselves. We need to fear Him. And if we fear Him, then it's going to result in brokenness and fear. More people want to Christ. Full submission and service to God is going to result in revival. And then we realize that our God, this one who's holy, this one who's created everything, he decided to have mercy on me. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Vody Bauckham, um, a preacher that I've, I've heard, um, he said this, he said, um, when somebody asks you, why does God allow bad things to happen in this world? The question is, why does God allow good things to happen in this world? 
when you realize who you are and who he is. So why are we not falling down on our faces, broken? Why are we not falling down on our faces, fearful, begging for this mercy, just as David did? It's because we do not fear our God, and we do not view him the way that we should. And it's something that we all struggle with. I'm preaching to myself as I'm preaching to you. We don't view God the way that we should. We don't fear him the way that we should. If we did, you would see those results. So I ask you again, who do you serve? And what is your image of God? Why should we fear him? We should fear him because who he is versus who we are. And when you see the image of God in the image of yourself, you will be broken and you will fear. When you see the image of God and who you are, there's nothing left to do but to fall on your face before him and beg for mercy, to fall on your face before him and to ask him to help you. You see, we need to realize that if we knew him the way we should know him, we would fear him. And we cannot use salvation, we cannot use his mercy as an excuse to go on sinning and to ignore God. He commands us to fear him. Look at yourself and look at him. How dare we take advantage of God's mercy? You see, God, God watched his son beaten and torn and crucified over that sin that you're delighting in. And yet you think that you can just go on living a happy life. And, and, and just because you're on your way to heaven, that you can sin all that you want just because the mercy of God. How dare we? How dare we? We have no right. It's, by, it's nothing that we do. It's nothing that we do. It's by God's mercy that we are on our way to heaven. If it was not for his almighty hand, we would all be in the pits of hell. I certainly don't deserve heaven. Maybe we should live like that. Maybe we should realize who our God is. Maybe we should fear him the way that we should. Folks, tonight, God wants you to fear him. He wants you to fear him. And if you fear him, If you view him the way that you should, there's going to be fear. There's going to be brokenness. You're going to hate your sin. You're going to hate anything that God hates. There's going to be more people one to Christ. You're going to have a full submission and service to God. And there's going to be revival. Do you want it tonight? You have to view God the way that the Bible puts him tonight. So I would encourage you read the bible and see who this god is see the fierceness of his anger and then realize who you are that'll put into perspective who you are let's pray father we thank you for your love and your mercy lord we thank you that um, tonight we are not in the pits of hell because you are so merciful and god Lord, I, I pray that you would give us the right image of you, the right image of ourself. Lord, that we would be broken over our sin. God, that we would uh, tell others about this God. Lord, that, that it's urgent, that we realize that it's urgent, Lord, and that we, would, uh, Lord, that we would hate anything that you hate. Lord, we love you. We don't deserve heaven. Help us not to use your mercy as an excuse 
to take advantage of your mercy against you. How dare we? As the pianist um, makes her way to the piano or, or the organist here, um, I would ask them to play page 